Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, A Simple Beggar, Brad. I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, and I hope to instruct others as to where this bread may be found. This episode, School's Out. Props to Alice Cooper for the title to this episode. Alice Cooper, formerly Vincent Fernier, the son of a Mormon minister. He legally changed his name to Alice Cooper in 1975 as the band by that name was breaking up. And he didn't want other members trying to capitalize on the band name. He does, in addition to having his name legally changed to Alice Cooper, he does pay royalties to his former bandmates for the commercial use of the name. In the early 70s, a rumor started that he was Ken Osmond the actor who portrayed Eddie Haskell on Leave it to Beaver. And that rumor started because when Cooper was being interviewed, he was asked what he was like as a kid, and he said, I was disgusting. I was like Eddie Haskell. Someone took that and ran. Alice also was a guest on The Muppet Show back in 1978, and that episode, which I imagine is still available on YouTube at least, it took a really dark turn. Alice went around offering the Muppets fortune and fame if they would sell him their souls. He then performed his song, Welcome to My Nightmare. And I think this could be where the rumor started that he sold his soul to the devil uh, in exchange for fame and riches. That could be too. A couple conspiracy theories there. Get a tiny kernel grain of something true and then, you know, run in some random direction with it. Currently, in addition to continuing his musical career, Cooper has a youth ministry in Arizona with an evangelical covenant church, reaching out to the poor and the needy. Well, it's not about the music or the ministry. Wait, yeah, yeah, it is about the ministry and the message. School's out. There's a passage in Galatians chapter 3 that I'd like to look at for clarification's sake. And there's three most common interpretations to examine. So, as I present them to you, please study to show yourself approved of God. Compare each to the whole of Scripture. We've looked at a few passages from Galatians in the past. And those are on episodes, Hold On Loosely, There Must Be Some Misunderstanding, and Curses. You can check those out when you get time. As a reminder, I'd like to read a word of caution which the Apostle Peter wrote regarding the writings of Paul. In 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 14, we read, Therefore, loved ones, while you are looking for these things, make every effort to be found in shalom, spotless and blameless before him, God. Bear in mind that the patience of our Lord means salvation, just as our dearly loved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these matters in all of his letters. Some things in them are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist as they also do with the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. Since you already know all this, Loved ones, be on your guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. Instead, keep growing in the grace 
and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter, a contemporary of Paul's, a Jew in the same culture as Paul, says some things in Paul's writings are hard to understand. Once again, Peter is an apostle. He's a Jew following the Messiah Yeshua. He's an apostle, a contemporary of Paul's, and he struggled with some of the things Paul wrote in that time, in the first century. Here we are, basically 20 centuries later, and we have people who twist the words, the, the words of Paul, and they twist the whole of Scripture in doing so. It, it was difficult to understand him then. It is going to be more difficult to understand him if we are doing so or attempting to do so through a 21st century understanding or even a 16th or 17th European understanding, 16th or 17th century. Peter states that ignorant and unstable people twist Paul's writings as they do with the scriptures. So what was considered scripture when Peter wrote this? The Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. The Old Testament to many people. That's the scripture which they had, which was being twisted by ignorant, unstable people. Furthermore, Peter warns not to be led astray by the error of the lawless, which will cause you to lose your sure footing. Following lawless people will cause you to lose your sure footing in the faith. Lawless equals without law. What law? The law and commands of Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. The Torah. How many modern teachers are attempting to lead others in following Jesus without the law, the Torah? Once more, this is Peter's warning to first century followers of Messiah. And this warning still applies today as an even greater number of ignorant, unstable, and lawless people twist the scriptures of the Tanakh for their own purposes. And as Peter says, to their own destruction. It's a lot easier to amass a congregation where rules, laws, and commands are deemed irrelevant and unnecessary. With this warning in mind, let's take a look at the passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians. For context, Paul, a natural-born legal Jew, a Torah-observant, Sabbath-honoring, feast-day-celebrating, Pharisaic follower of Yeshua the Messiah, is writing to Gentile followers called God-fearers, who were being encouraged by some to go through the proselytization process to become Jewish, starting with forcing people to be circumcised and then going through the entire proselytization process. They were being told that they could not gain a portion in the world which is to come without being legally Jewish. 
And again, some were being forced into this process, including circumcision. Galatians 3, beginning at verse 21. Then is the Torah against the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given that could impart life, certainly righteousness would have been based on law. But the scripture has locked up the whole world under sin so that the promise based on trust in Messiah Yeshua might be given to those who trust. Now, before faith came, we were being guarded under Torah, bound together until the coming faith would be revealed. Therefore, the Torah became our guardian to lead us to Messiah so that we might be made right based on trusting. But now that faith has come, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of God through trusting in Messiah Yeshua. For all of you who were immersed in Messiah have clothed yourselves with the Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Messiah Yeshua. And you belong to Messiah. Then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So, a common interpretation of this passage is Paul is telling these God-fearers that the Torah imprisoned people in sin, but now that faith, Jesus, has come, people are set free from the prison of commandments to live as they please, as long as they, at some point in their lives, ask Jesus into their hearts or prayed a prayer of salvation. Basically, law bad, grace good, works bad, faith good. I'll just tell you straight up, I cannot accept this doctrine as it contradicts the whole of Scripture. And it is based on the premise that Adonai Elohim, the loving creator and holy one, blessed be he, gave people whom he called his possession, the apple of his eye. He gave them a bunch of rules and laws, which, according to common understanding, they could never follow. And he gave them to them to imprison them for centuries. And after all that time of insisting his people reflect righteousness by obeying him, he chose a time in history to say, on second thought, none of that stuff really seems to be working and it doesn't matter. Just call on the name of my son and you're good. Basically, that God led his people astray about the law and then pulled a double reverse. Sorry, not sorry. That's despicable. No, that is not what scripture supports, nor is it what Paul says here. That, hey, Torah was keeping us imprisoned to sin, but now that Jesus has come, school's out, and we're free from the law. We're free from the Torah. In verse 22, uh, the version that I'm reading, uh, the Tree of Life version, which I'm using uh, again, it says, locked the world up under sin. Many other English versions use the word imprisoned. And neither of these definitions, translations, really do justice to the Greek word which is used here. It is synaclesian. I believe I'm pronouncing that correct. It could be synaclesian. But it means 
to confine, right? It's used as imprisoned or locked, uh, locked as uh, the version I'm using reads. And, and it does carry with it the definition of Synecclesian uh, carries with it like confinement, but it also has with it as in embracing or to protect, kind of like a mother hen gathering her chicks, which is an image we, we see used in the scriptures referring to how God loves his children, right? That's, that's what this picture is. And so, again, the Greek word means, Synecclesian has, has with it the definition of embracing, confining by embracing, protecting. And then the Greek word for under in this passage where it says, um, again, locked under sin, the world had been locked under sin or imprisoned under sin. The Torah did this. The word in the Greek is hypo, H-Y-P-O, which can mean physically under something, under the authority of something, but it also speaks to time frames. So this passage can be interpreted as the Torah embraces and protects God's people while this present world is under the curse of sin. The wages of sin is death. Faith in the promised one, Yeshua, the Messiah, sets us free from the curse of sin. So I will say, as Peter said, any doctrine which abolishes or attempts to eradicate the law of God is perpetuated by ignorant, unstable, lawless people who twist the scriptures and lead others astray. So I am personally, I am discounting, I am refuting that interpretation. I do not believe that to be accurate. Don't think that's a correct doctrine. The next interpretation is kind of a middle ground understanding, which essentially says that works of the law can't save you. Only faith in God through the Messiah, Jesus, can. Now, in my understanding, that's, that's a pretty good definition. That's, that's pretty consistent with the scriptures. The truth being... It has always been about faith from the very beginning. It's always been about faith. This is what Adonai Elohim has always desired from his people, that it would be about faith, a trusting relationship with Adonai Elohim. He has always desired people obey him based on trusting him, loving him with all their being, and loving their neighbors as they love themselves. Obeying him does not disappear because of faith. And this, this interpretation has, over the centuries, diminished the role, if you will, of obedience or the importance of it and, and works to the point where they are put in contrast to faith and grace. And so to say, the law was the teacher until grace and faith came, now... We're not under that teacher anymore. School's out. Doing works of the law can't save you, so don't even bother doing them. And this was certainly not Paul's intention. As I've said before, 
the the interesting thing that has become in much of evangelical Christianity is this you can live if you have confessed the name of Jesus the Messiah if you have confessed his name asked him in your heart or whatever formula is is being used nowadays then then you're all good and you can live however you want and you can do you can do all the things you want because you're forgiven of everything but it appears through many of these teachers that the one thing you can't be forgiven that the one thing that will prevent you from entering the world the kingdom which is to come is obeying God's law is doing deeds of righteousness like somehow it's become that excludes you like Attempting to honor and obey his word because of the love that he has shown. No, 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 don't do that because that could, that could lead you to hell is kind of the basic nutshelling of, of what is taught frequently. And that, that cannot be, that is not. And that's not what Paul teaches. That's not what any of the scriptures teach. God wants us to honor and obey his word. He wants to do so in faith and in love. So again, that was not Paul's intention. He didn't put, he did not put grace and faith in contrast with obedience and works. He explained how they complement one another by grace and faith in the God of our master, Yeshua, the Messiah, we can walk as he did in obedience and love toward Adonai Elohim and toward our neighbors. Is the Torah against the promises of God? May it never be, Paul exclaims. When you graduated school and were no longer under your teacher's authority, did you simply stop using what you learned? Do two and two, two plus two, does that still equal four? Or did you have to come up, did you just decide, I'm going to do my own new math? I'm going to forget that. Do you now deny all the lessons instruction and instruction that you learned while under teachers? Now, I will tell you, based on the way our society behaves, it appears we're moving in that direction. But honestly, you use the lessons and teachings that you have received. So we have now generations of people who are accept- accepting their diplomas by faith and have never attended a class. In his letter to the Roman believers, Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The written word of God available at the time that Paul wrote that was the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets and the writings. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul's talking in this letter to the Galatians about faith. The word of God, the Torah, leads us to faith. We still need the lessons and the education. We need the disciplines and instruction. Then, by faith in Adonai Elohim, through Yeshua, we put those instructions into practice. All right. So the third most common interpretation of this passage goes to 
the roots of the verbiage Paul uses here. So I'm going to read it another short portion of the passage we've been reading, starting at verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were being guarded under Torah, bound together until the coming faith would be revealed. Therefore, the Torah became our guardian to lead us to Messiah so that we might be made right based on trusting. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons of God through trusting in Messiah Yeshua. For all of you who were immersed in Messiah have clothed yourselves with the Messiah. So, in the interpretation I'm about to share, Paul when he refers to, in his letter to the Galatians, when he refers to the Torah or deeds of the Torah, works of the law, whatever your version may say, is talking very specifically about, a, about one portion of the law, which is talking about a circumcision, but then with that, the traditions that went along with proselytizing people, making them Jewish Converts, taking Gentiles, making them Jewish converts. Included in that is circumcision. And in this letter, when you read it in its full context, that is very much where Paul's focus is because people were being forced or coerced into becoming Jewish as they were told that was a part of their salvation. They had to become Jewish. Paul was teaching that's not the case. And so, Using that specific understanding of what Paul is is referencing with the Torah, let's let's take a look because the picture Paul is drawing here has to do with a pedagogue. Where in this version um, it uses the word guardian, others use teacher or schoolmaster, and the Greek word is pedagogos from which the English word pedagogue comes, and in English pedagogue means teacher. In the first century, pedagogus, or a pedagogue, was a caretaker of sorts. Here's the definition. A boy's guardian or tutor, a servant who had the charge of the life and morals of the boys of a family, not strictly a teacher. A pedagogue had charge over a child, getting them to and from school, including studies of the scriptures. And they would even quiz the child on their studies. The pedagogue reinforced the morals of the, the child's parents, leading them till they come to a place where they walk in these truths on their own by faith. So the lessons continue. They have their continued application. They don't fall by the wayside. And Paul is using this image to describe the role of Torah in our lives. The Torah reveals to us the morals of Avinu Malkenu, our father and king, Adonai Elohim. And again, if we want to look more at the specific use, which I believe Paul is using in this letter, he's talking about about becoming Jewish, right? About the proselytization for Gentiles because that was the way they had to get into Israel. Israel and, and be legally a part of Israel was through proselytization. And Paul is saying that that life led, has led people 
to the Messiah, Yeshua. That overall, the Torah points to Yeshua, the Messiah. The Torah has always pointed people to the Messiah. As Paul wrote in Romans, Yeshua is the goal of the Torah. If Yeshua, who is to whom is to whom the Torah is aiming, can it be bad or negative? If it's been pointing to Yeshua as the goal, no, may it never be. Grace and faith do not nullify the law. Paul says faith establishes the law. So again, he's not contrasting them against each other as so many do. He is revealing how they work together. The Torah points us to the Messiah, Yeshua, who points us to the Father by living the Torah. While this this world is under the curse of sin, and this means this present world, Olam Hazeh in Hebrew, we are in the protective embrace of the Torah, living by faith in Yeshua, trusting in God's grace as we love Adonai and our neighbors. As Yeshua said, not one jot or tittle of the Torah shall be removed. From Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, Amen. I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or serif shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things come to pass. When heaven and earth, this present world, pass away, and the new heaven and new earth, olam haba, the world which is to come, arrives, the Torah will then be written completely on our hearts, For now, it is written on stone tablets. It is written on parchment and paper. We follow it by faith, having the deposit of the Holy Spirit of Adonai Elohim. And we do so trusting in God's grace. I believe this to be the most accurate interpretation. You, please study to show yourself approved of God. Don't take my word for it. But I believe as we live according to the laws and commands of God, by faith, motivated by love, trusting in his grace, that we will be a light to the world. As we walk, even as our master, Yeshua the Messiah, walked, and also as we walk in his ways. One other thing that happens as we walk in adherence to the Torah of God, we will provoke the Jews to jealousy and they too will seek to find the bread of life, the capstone, the crowning jewel of Judaism, Yeshua the Messiah. I want to thank you for your time. Dig in, study to show yourself approved of God. Um, I, I thank all of you. I'm grateful for you, those of you who listen, who subscribe, who share. Thank you so much for that. I, I am grateful, and to God be the glory. And I pray that through this podcast, seeds are planted into the lives of people that will bring forth fruit in due time. 
We plant and water seeds. It is God who adds the increase. Thank you so much. We thank you and we thank Avinu Malkenu, our father and our king, the God and father of my master, Yeshua, the Messiah. I am so thankful for him and pray that others will find him, put their trust and faith in him to learn the ways of the Father and to obtain a portion in the kingdom which is to come by grace through faith in the Messiah Yeshua. Thank you. Let's follow our master and walk as he did. Let's go out and give him heaven. Until next time, grace and peace. Chain Shalom.